0: Dreaming heavy metal we rock.
1: but the evil that men
0: do <laughs> on.
1: We gonna bang your head.
0: you are now listening to the music mania podcast a hard-hitting show featuring all things hard rock and heavy metal And now here are your hosts. The Twins of Chaos, Clint Switzer and Paul Lagana, And it is our pleasure here on this week's Music Mania podcast to welcome yet another guitar legend. Um, Last week it was Michael Shanker, this week it is none other than Steve Stevens. Um, You know him of course from Billy Idol, among many other projects, and Steve, Billy Idol's returning to Vegas here in just a couple weeks. I know you guys have been there before, but it's got to be exciting to go back and I think you guys are doing House of Blues. Uh, How exciting is that for you guys?
1: Yeah, it's great this will be the second year we're doing our, uh, our residency and um you know it's great we, we it's close enough to Los Angeles where uh you know, we play a show Saturday night, and by about 1 o'clock in the morning, I'm home in
0: bed. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, you can't beat that. I mean, although, <laughs> you, you know, in Vegas, you know, I, I, I mean, I, surely you could find something to do in the meantime. I mean, in between shows, I you know, that's nothing nothing wrong with heading home, getting a good night's sleep. I know that's the rock star ways these days, right, Steve? <laughs>
1: Yes, yeah, a little, little
0: different than back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Well, I mean, this is, a, you guys are doing shows through March and then coming back in May, and i um, definitely hoping to right. come out and catch one of those. And uh, just, you know, I think you guys did hard rock last time, last year, and just coming back here. And I mean, um, still going on. I mean, Billy Idol's last album back in 2014 was a, was a huge hit, huge success, and still able to play these shows. I mean, what? I, Billy is just, he's just one of those guys that he just seems to get better with age. I mean, his performances are top notch, the band is top notch just talk about what it's like um, working with Billy I mean even at his age to be able to deliver these high you know high energy performances the band has never been better I mean you guys are just really firing on all cylinders right now
1: yeah I mean it's a rarity in in my business to have two guys that are still working together you know going on 34 years and there's a genuine respect there's a a a genuine um, friendship you know uh, you know there's a lot of bands that uh you know, you'll see on stage, and, and that's the first time those guys see each other, or the only time those guys see each other. <laughs> um, but it's not that it's not that way with us. When we went and did our last record, he and I went to London, stayed in an apartment together, just you know, the same way we've always done it. And um, you know, there's 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 a, there's a certain chemistry that's undeniable, um, and there's, uh, there's songs that, that that we've done together for many years uh, take on a you know, different meaning for our fans now, who you know can remember maybe uh, sharing, you know, uh, flesh for fantasy with their brother or sister who maybe is not not around anymore or something, and and uh, it, it's uh, it, in some cases it's it's, uh, it's emotional for a lot of people to see the same two guys together having fun and, and still doing it
0: well how important is this collaboration for you personally i mean you got you were there from the beginning since so 1982 the first album i mean you've just been this has just been so many years now 35 years unbelievably i guess and i hadn't even thought about it i did that math quick in my head by the way that's kind of crazy but uh 35 years just how important is this because i mean you've done so many things you've worked with so many artists you've done a lot of session work you've you know done so many things but this collaboration why is it important you know to you personally
1: um Well, you know, I mean, it's, it's, there's a, there's a pride in the fact that, uh, you know, we made it work. And, um, and it was never any big plan. It was never like, you know, when we met, all right, we're going to work together for 35, goddamn you. You know, (laughs) there was never anything like that. There was a brief moment, uh, brief period where we didn't work together, but we never, even when we didn't, we never slid each other off. It was understood that I went off to do some things that I felt I needed to do. Um, but we were always supportive of each other, and, um, and there's no, um, I don't know, you know, we accept each other on each other's terms. We're very different people, but, uh, the you know, bottom line is, man, I'm, I'm a huge Billy Idol fan, and when I'm sitting at home and I'm coming up with an idea for a song or something, I hear that guy's voice in my head, you know, that's just, I just like what he does and, uh, and I think he, you know, I, I, I can speak for him and say that I think he likes the way I play guitar. And, you know, and I yeah. think that's, that's as, as simple as that sounds, that's really what, what, what the truth is.
0: Yeah, and you know, you talk about going off and doing things on your own. I want to get into Atomic Playboys a little later because that's one of my favorite albums of the '80s. I'm not, I'm not kidding. I absolutely love that album. But let's, you got some solo shows also coming up uh, in Europe um, starting April 5th in London. You got 10 dates all through Europe. Kind of tell us a little bit about this tour. Uh, What can fans expect uh, from this from this uh, solo tour? And I know you got some VIP packages available at your website, SteveStevens.BigCartel.com. You can buy a meet and greet package for these dates, correct?
1: Yeah, um, there are meet and greets available. We try and keep them, uh, uh, you know, reasonably priced, so I'm told. And, um, you know, it's a great way to, to, to meet fans, and, and especially in Europe, I don't spend that much time over there. So, um, but, you know, we felt the time was right to, to go over and celebrate, you know, my 35 years of making records, and it's the only opportunity for people uh, to get to hear not, not just my guitar playing, but also... I'll just be celebrating all the, the great records that I've been fortunate to work on you know either you know Michael Jackson or Top Gun or something that maybe you know you don't get to hear in the course of the Billy Idol show so I'll be digging deep into the catalog and uh, and offering a bit of bit of uh, everything for my my entire career
0: well I'm, I'll tell you what if you can promise me this Steve I'm flying out to one of these dates if you can promise me we can we can hear pet the hot kitty I'm gonna be there I that's just I' I <laughs> It's a must. <laughs> but yeah, talk about that album, Atomic Playboys. And I think that's something that, uh, as all, of all the solo albums you've done, for me, that one—it just—it's—it's it's almost like the personification of, of of hair metal at the time. I love this album. It's always been one of my favorites. It's always one that I just keep going back to, and just kind of go into to how this how this all, that project specifically came about. Because you'd been with Billy Idol, you would gained notoriety as you know one of the best guitar players uh, in rock at that time. But uh, you know, to, to bring on you did it was a big production. Um, the, the record label—it was all a big deal. Just kind of talk about how it all came about and uh, how this uh, beautiful Atomic Playboys situation. Way she came to be.
1: Um, well, I think you know it's uh, obviously the height of the '80s success, and that that record represents it on every level. Yes. Um, you know uh, everything from the, the you know big expensive uh, album cover budget to have HR Geiger do it—something I've always wanted since uh, the first time I saw Emerson, Lake and Palmer's *Spring, cell and Surgery* album. Um, I said, "Wow, you know, if I ever get to do an album on my own, that's the guy I want to do it." and and we did, and um, uh, you know the, the, the record was uh, done after I, I had been signed to uh, Warner Brothers at the, the tail end of the '80s, um, and uh, which which actually afforded me a lot of cool opportunities. Being, I've got to give, give full props to Ted Templeman who signed me. And was my A and R guy. Ted was the uh, connection to being able to do Michael Jackson and Vince Neal and, um, and there was a lot of good activity that I was involved in uh, around Warner Brothers. and Atomic Playboys was one of them. Um, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it was you know, as I said, the, the, the height of the eighties excess. It was an expensive record to do. There's a lot of aspects of the record I'm very proud of. Um, but it's, 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 um, you know, it's definitely in one particular rock genre. Um, and, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, I've grown fonder of it over time.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's it's different, and because you talk about it, you know, we talk about the hair metal aspect of it, but it, it's it's actually really versatile, I mean, songs like Power of Suggestion, like kind of the funk and soul aspect that you guys brought to it, and just, you know, the versatility of your playing, um, just always been a huge fan of it, Perry McCarty on vocals, I, I just really love it, and of course, like you said, that led you into kind of uh, Vince Neil's Exposed, which is, um, you know, something that, an album that I think was so big for Vince, and another big Warner Brothers production, I mean, that was a big deal, in fact, there was always heard just kind of some drama within the band I mean I've always heard the stories about Robbie Crane punching Vince Neal and getting kicked off the tour what a crazy experience was it making that album and then going on tour opening for Van Halen
1: yeah I mean I, th- I think whatever happened with Robbie and Vince was after I had left the band I heard I heard it secondhand, probably the same as you did yeah so. But, um, you know, when I was in the band, it was, uh, you know, it was just a lot of strip clubs. (laughs) It wasn't wasn't that that crazy. But it was the first opportunity where a producer, uh, in that case, Ron Neverson, and an artist were asking me to play, uh, you know, heavier and, you know, where where I was uh, used to being kind of economical with my guitar style with Billy Idol uh in this case it was like make the make the solos longer and and heavier so it was, it was a great challenge and uh, uh you know I, I think that that record stands up well in 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 context to you have to understand at the point that that exposed was released was the height of nirvana yeah so we were we were up against a really changing tide in the in the music scene and in the music business but I think he can write it out that uh, we did all right
0: with that record. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, you talk about sometimes albums being ahead of their time. This one may be one that was a little behind its time, just a couple years as the train was was moving on. And I, But I, but, I, but not not necessarily in a bad way. That's not a put-down. It's something I think that you listen to now and you think that, I mean, if this was released in 1986, you know, maybe um, it's a whole different deal. Vince went on to do another solo album. But, you know, you talked about the Nirvana aspect of things and the, the crunch. Well, Motley Crue, just the next year, releases 94, you know, which is that very grungy heavy sound with John Karabi I mean but but to me I always like the Vince record better you know what I mean like I don't I don't know what if, if you agree with that I don't know how much you've heard of Motley 94 but I always thought Vince had the better album there
1: yeah I don't I don't, I don't know I'm not familiar with that record but, but I do know that uh, you know prior to Exposed uh, was Dr. Feelgood and I just took my I, I figured if we ran with the ball and made, uh, you know, what Vince was known for after Dr. that we, we, yeah. we'd be, we'd be in good hands. And, you know, I was a fan of, of that record. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. And, uh, it still stands as one of the best rock albums of the eighties for me. And, yeah. um, and, and, uh, and exposed was just, you know, it's all, you know, I'm, I'm a kid from New York. I was used to subways and, and, uh, and, and, uh, in uh, you know, CBGB's Nexus, Kansas City, and here I am in Los Angeles, uh, you know, be experiencing the LA metal scene, and it was, you know. I I embrace it for all the good and bad
0: that it has to offer. Well, there'll there'll never be anything like it. That's for sure. Maybe that's a good thing. I think it's a bad thing. But hey, that that was the '80s. It'll never be replicated. But you know, Steve, another you know interesting aspect about your career, of course, you've you've become you're you're like a trivia question. You're like a Jeopardy question forever because of of the Top Gun theme. In fact, I'd um, you know years before Google, I would get in arguments with people that would try to tell me Eddie Van Halen played that song, uh, played the Top Gun anthem. I said, nope, it's Steve Stevens, and I want a lot of money thanks to you. I should probably give you a cut of that steve i'll tell you uh-huh. that is that is to me in, in seriousness one of the more iconic instrumentals from a movie ever i mean just right release at the right time top gun 86 the visuals everything about that movie and then you play that riff and that uh, that famous you know musical rendition how did that come about was that is that was that something that you, they brought you in and they let you kind of go with it did they have some ideas did you write that how did that all come about
1: well i didn't i didn't write it it uh, it was written by harold faltermeyer who did the score for the movie and harold uh, was the keyboard player on the third billy idol record uh, with last smile and as we were working uh, in the studio he pulled me aside and said i'm working on this film with tom cruise and and then uh, i think tom had only done risky business so that's all I knew from him, and uh, he and Harold showed me some footage and said, uh, "You know, I've got the, the twenty-four track with me. Would you be up for doing it?" So late one night at about two in the morning, after we finished the Billy Idol session and we put up the multi-track, and within a couple of hours we did Top Gun, and uh, and uh, Keith Forsey was involved in that, who was uh, who was Billy Idol's producer, so. Um, it was just kind of an afterthought, and, and to be honest with you, I forgot about doing it until I got notified wow. uh, later that we were nominated for Grammy, which we eventually won. So it's one of those things that I always tell people, you know, you never know. You could spend two hours on something, and it could uh, help define your entire career. So um, I, I was very fortunate that Harold, that I met Harold, and... Um, and it's one of the, uh, you know, there's not too many uh, guitar virtuoso pieces that appeal to people that don't play guitar. I can I can tell you that Jeff Beck is one of those guys who can do that. Steve Vai is one of those guys. Um, but a lot of times when guitar virtuoso stuff happens, you know, the, your average listener says, ah, I'm not into this or whatever. But everybody knows Top Gun, so... I think it, uh, and I can't tell you how many times I've I've heard from from fans that told me they picked up the guitar after hearing that. Wow, and that's always cool. That's you
0: know. that's the cool part about about it. I mean, you talk about winning, you know, awards. The movie was a huge hit, but that's to me. Whenever you hear that, it, to me, uh, especially guitar playing influence, that is the part that just kind of resonates the most, and that's that's really cool because it's and it's one of those songs. Like as a fan, just of. 80s culture, movies, music, like yeah. that song, it's like yeah. it's etched in my mind forever. You talk about songs being stuck in your head like there I can't imagine a day going by where I don't somehow hear that or think of that term or make a top gun joke to someone or Kenny Loggins or playing with the boys or something. So yeah. that that's just great yeah. and Steve, I mean you're just you've done so many things. I think it's great though that people you you really are known for so many things. Um, the, the flamenco playing is amazing. Your Spanish guitar playing is, is outstanding. As someone that does can't play guitar myself, just hearing that that got me into a new genre of music too. Kind of like uh, John Five and his chicken picking style. All that's so good, right? You know what I mean. Right. And like that's that's got to be gratifying for you, just you know the, all the different styles and that people pick up on. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I
1: mean that, that's great to hear that because there were bands that I listened to as a kid I never liked. You know classical music when I when I was a kid. I always thought that was you know for my parents or whatever. But uh, you know some of the prog rock bands that influenced me you know made me look at some classical music in a different way and go wow you know there's something there and and uh, and I was able to learn about orchestration and arrangement through that. So yeah, if I can if I can turn on people to other flamenco guitarists uh, by introducing them to it, uh, you know then I've done my job.
0: That's absolutely the case. You know, I'm someone that you know I hear I hear Black Sabbath, I hear guitar riffs. That's what I know. That's what I like. But uh, hearing people like you, it definitely led me into searching out other things. And you know, before I let you go, I've always you know I asked a lot of the guitar musicians that join us this this similar question. But you know, I've always what's interesting to me about guitar playing is you got someone like Ace Frehley that can't read music. He picks it up. You know, Ace Frehley from Kiss picks up a guitar, teaches himself how to play it. You got people that are classically trained, like you talked about. You know, the orchestration of music, knowing how to arrange it, how to read it. It's weird that how it all comes to the same place inevitably, but do you think there's a better a better way to learn? I mean, learning classically or just picking up and playing. I mean, it's just crazy how rock music lends itself to all of the above, really?
1: Yeah, there's no rules really. Um, I don't read music. Uh, I, I, I did when I was a kid, I was much better at it uh, because I actually studied. A uh, bit of classical guitar, but I was never really a good reader, you know. And, and now I can't, I can't read to save my life. But I would, you know, for kids learning guitar now, I would, I would say it's good to read. Um, mm-hmm. There have been situations where I've gotten called to go in and do something, and they put music in front of me, and I've said, I'm not the guy." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's embarrassing. You know, it's it's uh, you know, I I don't I, ignorance is not bliss. Uh, you know, in this case. I think, um, you know, it, it, it's never good to just read and lose sight of being creative. You know, some of the greatest music in rock and roll has been created by guys that don't read, but it's, it's good to, to have some formal understanding of it.
0: Yeah, well put, and I think that's what's great about I mean, rock guitar, it's so innovative, and maybe it, you know, doesn't lend itself to being mozart ish in any way so i think that's maybe what people like about rock guitar in general is just the innovation and the fact that it doesn't n- sound like something you would hear to you know you know mozart or beethoven right but at steve i'll tell you what i gotta get this out here one more time before we let it go steve stevens.bigcartel.com that's where you can go you can get all the tour dates it starts his solo tour starts april 5th in london man that's going to be a great tour i wish i uh, wish i lived in europe for this one man but then back with billy idol in march back in may Good things coming up for you, my man. And I tell you what, can't thank you enough for joining us. It's just been a true pleasure for yeah, us, my Steve. my pleasure. Absolutely, my pleasure. Oh, absolutely. We'll catch you out there somewhere out in the stratosphere one of these days. Steve will come say hello for sure, my man. All right, thank you, Quinn. Thanks so much.